Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. I'm Chad Withrow, Paul Kaharski alongside, broadcasting live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. We got Will Healy, head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll talk about a lot of the implications of conference realignment for a group of five schools like the one Coach Will Healy coaches. We'll get him on here in about 20 minutes. But first, I want to talk about some rules changes uh, in the NBA that's upcoming. The first one is the take foul. So this is a transition take foul. So you get a steal, you're going the other way, someone fouls you intentionally instead of just taking the ball out. The new rule will be, reportedly, that you get one free throw and the ball. Um, I think this makes perfect sense. I don't know that it affects the game that much. But if you're going to do something intentionally to stop a fast break dunk and in the interest of helping the game be more aesthetically pleasing, Paul, I think that we all like a nice breakaway transition dunk opportunity, right? But this isn't going to stop anybody from fouling you on that. You're trading two points for one point instead of two points for the ball. Well... One point with the possibility, a strong possibility for more. You know, you're getting the ball also. You're going to get one point in the ball instead yeah. of just taking it out. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a technical foul. Yeah. Essentially, I for like doing it. it. It's an improvement, and uh, in a tight game, in a crucial, you know, in a tight game late, um, it changes things a little bit. Certainly. So it's it's a favorable rule change in my eyes. The other rule that they're looking into right now is for bench decorum, and this was prompted by the Dallas Mavericks during the playoffs who apparently decided to stand for entire games. And the high-paying p- uh, season ticket holders behind the bench complained they couldn't see the game because the Mavericks bench decided to stand up for an entire game and, and watch their team What was play. their motivation to stand up Well, they got fined the thousands game. of dollars, but it's not just that. It's they're standing and they're getting on the court at times during play. You know, they're stepping out to celebrate yeah. with players. You know, they're not trying to, you know, trip players in the quarter, defend them or anything, but they're stepping out to give someone a high five or celebrating when the ball's near the end of the court and they're coming out onto the court of play. So has it been ruled they must sit? They're looking into it. All it is is that they're looking into the rules to see what they can do about bench to court. I've always thought that um, basketball benches should include higher chairs. I would not have a problem with higher chairs. I look at basketball players sitting during games and their knees are, you know, I can't do it, above their head. Yeah. And it looks mightily uncomfortable. Now, I don't think that would prompt a guy to stand for the entire game, but you do see guys with bad backs or, or stuff in very awkward positions who go and, and lay on the floor, you know, uh, or stuff like that. And I think they could accommodate them better. Uh, than they do, but I don't think it's cause for standing for the entire game. And I would be pissed as hell if I paid 
uh, well, I mean, imagine front row seat prices. You're right behind the Mavs bench in a playoff game, and a seven footer standing in front of you the entire game. No, I it's hard enough to see over the seven footer sitting down, especially if they're in a higher bench seat the way you propose. Well, Paul. I think it should be. I think they should be structuring these arenas where the front row is elevated in a way that you would see over sitting or even a standing player in an ideal arena. So the uh, third and final thing that's being implemented in the NBA, they're going to make the play-in tournament permanent, which is no surprise. This is an effort to try to curb tanking across the league, keep more teams interested for the bulk of the season, and get more teams into the playoffs. Some would say there's enough teams to make the playoffs already. I don't know how much damage is being done with teams from the play-in game, and you get moments like where Minnesota celebrated like they won the title when they beat the Clippers this year. Uh, in the play-in tournament, so and then what did they I, I don't do? I don't think it's a bad thing to keep more teams interested for longer in the season. No, but it's 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 not for me. I mean, it's got appeal to to some people, and if that was the Knicks in it, it might perk my interest a little bit. But I don't think it's a federal issue either. So, Paul, uh, we've got the captain premiering. Is it next week? Is All Star Week? Yes. So next week, the night of the Home Run Derby. I think it's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday night or next Monday. Next Tuesday night's the All-Star Game, I think. Next Monday night, then, it's after the Home Run Derby, will be the premiere episode of The Captain. So to premiere at like 11 p.m. because the Home Run Derby never ends? Yeah, probably. You stay up late for that one or just record it and watch the next day. Um, But you've got a story where Derek Jeter is denying... One of the most famous Derek Jeter stories going. Yeah, Derek Jeter is uh, this is not giving any further fuel to this idea that he gave gift baskets to uh, his one night stands, if you will. Um, this is from the captain. Yeah, I read the article. Yeah, of course. This is from the Daily Beast. You know it. You see it. And then it's like, how the bleep did people come up with this? You know, basically, that's it. And who would believe this bleep? And you believed it. He continued, I remember being at a Starbucks one time, and there's some random guy behind me, and he says, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm giving out gift baskets because you did it. And I turned around and said, you're a bleeping idiot. And the look on his face, like, did he think I was going to say, yeah, good job, man. It's a story that became larger than life. People kept regur- keep regurgitating this story that never happened. Never happened. Well, it was the story was told because a woman said it happened, right? And he's saying she's lying. Yes. Also, he didn't come out and deny it. Like if it's a complete, I, I, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not completely buying this uh, from the he's captain covering his rep. Yeah, probably. like if he, if if it's a complete fabrication, you could have stopped it or at least said something before now. Maybe he got NDAs out. To I all think he didn't women. want to call attention. I mean, I'm just saying from his side, probably then didn't want to call attention to it. Now, in a retrospective of his career, uh, you know, compelled to address it as you would do in these sorts of specials. Paul, what's your level of interest in this? Um, I would say it's it's different from most because you're a diehard Yankees guy. I, I want to see it because it's such an influential figure of the last 25 years in Derek Jeter, just like I wanted to watch the Michael Jordan documentary. I'll be watching every episode. What's your level of is interest? It, is it on weekly? 
Is that what we think? I don't, Apparently I don't your know level much. of interest is very high. I don't know much about the broadcast <laughs> it's, a, it's a weekly thing on ESPN. I, I'm not on the edge of my seat for it. I'm sure that I will be into it once I start watching it, if it's as good as I expect it to be. But, like, if it's on during a Yankee game, I'm going to watch the game and tape the, tape, tape the captain and watch it uh, later. So I, I'm not desperate for it. Yeah, it's uh, the captain will air, it looks like weekly. Yeah, debuts at 9 o'clock July 18th after the Home Run Derby. So they're saying. Well, that's going to be a well, miracle it's, it's that the Home Run Derby is done also, at um, Yeah, and it's taking place in L.A., so they must be starting real early out there. So it will cover back, back, Jeter's back, back, entire back, back, career. Back, back. That's all I think about when I hear the Home Run Derby, and I know I, I think they do bring Chris Berman back for it. So that makes me. Already. Uh, we're a week away from it, and I'm already upset by the whole notion of the Home Run Derby. Yeah, it looks like five episodes, maybe. Um, I'm trying to see exactly how many episodes it will cover, but it'll be a weekly uh, a weekly show. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Paul, I don't know if you've read the Adam Schefter piece yet. At I, haven't, Post. I haven't read it. I just kind of um, read the I, I, I'd be curious to know your it. thoughts of uh, Adam it, Schefter's missteps. Recently. I mean, the, the idea that he's not carrying water for agents is r- ridiculous, particularly on the Deshaun Watson one that, that, uh, where he interprets that a uh, 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 grand jury's failure to indict then uh, somehow you know, magically shows that Deshaun Watson's legal strategy was absolutely correct and he's been absolved of any wrongdoing by that it's just you know it's cut and paste the agent talk and he's done that too frequently lately and uh, yes he's a good reporter but he's fallen into some bad habits where he's cut and pasting stuff from agents and the idea that he's not doing that in exchange for getting transactional information from agents is you know it's pretty obvious that that's what what's happening well it's it's an interesting balance because, and I, I've read most of the piece by now, but where he got his start, how he got to NFL Network, how he broke the Mario Williams being the number one overall pick was the first big scoop he had for NFL Network in that draft that helped solidify NFL Network in the very beginning. How he leaves NFL Network for ESPN and they delete his phone that they were paying for with all of his contacts. He had to rebuild his contact list. But how everyone he's ever covered loves him, and trusts him. So the idea of getting the subject to love and trust you as a reporter so they give you scoop and give you information without harming other people who could give you scoop or information, but doing that and staying respected amongst your peers, that's a difficult balance. I think... Because your job is to beat them. Like He's very upfront about it. My job is to beat everyone on every story, and I'm mad when I don't have the story. I think to be loved and trusted by everyone, I don't know. There's some degree of manipulation going on by there because if I'm loved and trusted by coach and team X, I'm probably in so being pissing off somebody with team Y. And so then I'm, this is my perception, being somehow Weasley in in how I'm massaging that, where I'm keeping everybody happy. And I think that's what, and look, there's a, a degree of jealousy I, I, amongst reporters because he gets everything and other people feel like, you know, 
at least on their team's thing, they should get something. But how does he keep absolutely everybody happy when some of the news is going to piss some of those people off? Well, and and I don't know if there's it's, there's something going on. I don't on know there. if it's much that he's if he breaks something, it's going to make someone else mad. I'm sure that's the case at certain times. But Mike Shanahan says something in the piece about. I always like going to Adam because when I talked to him, he knew more than I did at times about things going on around the league. So I would get information from him. So I think it's sort of an information barter system. Well, that's 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 the, taking place. Yeah, that's absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to give you the, the scoop, right? If I'm a GM or I'm a head coach, I'll give you the scoop. And you tell I'm me what ask, you're hearing. Well, what are you hearing from this guy? No. But if you're the coach giving the scoop, you can't feel that comfortable about that. Because then you have to know, well, if I'm getting information from scouts and people with these other teams. He's giving away my him, Yeah, then they're going to get mine too. But I guess that it's just you, you're you okay with it if you get your a sufficient level of scoop for yourself. Yeah. Is the, is the trade-off? It's kind of a weird behind the scenes. As long as it's not public, it's, o- it's okay. But it's grown into something beyond what anybody could have imagined uh, when he when he started. He's certainly dominant at it. Also, like I appreciate people with a certain level of drive, but I don't understand somebody that never wants a day off. Like that's not normal to me, and I don't think it's healthy for anybody. Yeah, it's people are just wired differently, and he just made up his mind. He he said he never missed a day of school in his life. Uh, in this piece, that he's just always been one that he decided early I was going to do this, 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 and this so I could have everything that I wanted. And I don't know that that's ever a day off because he's got two phones in front of him at all times, even during the profile with the Washington Post. He's responding to text. Well, he's got everything he wants now, so he can't take a day off. $9 million a year is what he's making in his latest contract through ESPN. So. But he, there are holes in the, in the guy now, and he's under – with the Twitter following he's got and the money that he's making, he deserves the scrutiny that he gets. No, I totally agree. When we come back, Will Healy, the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, we'll talk about his program. But we're also going to get a, a deep dive into the life of a coach in the group of five right now. With all the instability around college football – there's not a ton of instability if you're in the SEC or Big Ten. There's a lot of instability if you're in Conference USA. We'll talk to Will Healy about it when we come back. This is Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back. It's Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. We're coming to you live from our downtown Nashville studios, or 6th and Peabody Studios, with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Paul Kowarski, I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us next week. Excited about this segment. We get to talk some football. We get to talk about conference realignment, what that means for a group of five schools. And we get to do so with a good friend of the show, Coach Will Healy. He is the head man of the Charlotte 49ers, and he joins us right now with a, a beautiful backdrop also. Very, you're very technologically savvy, Will. Well, well done with that. That's better than me. If you knew how many Zoom tutorials I sat on to be able to get to this point, you would be shocked. I mean, I was on there with like 50 elementary school teachers with an Australian guy who was teaching me how to do it. So, I mean, it's it's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point. And see, if you're if you're at an SEC or Big Ten school, you have like a Zoom liaison. That's just paid for by yeah, athletic well, department. That's that's all you have. Listen, they we'll, set it up for we'll you. You have to do it all it, yourself. We'll you know, we'll spend it on nutrition for our players, not worried about a Zoom liaison. <laughs> hey, how are things going right now at Charlotte? I know you've been hard at work uh, here lately, you know, starting to get ready for the season, not starting to, it never ends, but getting ready for the season. Uh, you took that job and had a clear vision for what you wanted to implement within that job and in that community. How are things going at Charlotte? Well, I, I think that you've had some incredible moments, but I don't know that you built a great program. And uh, that irks at me, you know, um, and and I think that, you know, obviously you start the year off last year and you beat Duke and you got, you know, an incredible opportunity where you're on, you know, game day and and you got a bunch of momentum and people obviously around this, you know, these parts are excited about that victory and and you start off the season hot and then we got to the off week and, and we lost five out of our last six games and uh, so sustainability and consistency are something that we didn't finish the year very well last year. So uh, business not done, obviously, with the transfer portal now and uh, with what people are, you know, been able to do from an NIL perspective and with the really tough schedule, you don't know what anybody else you are playing against has on their roster. Uh, you feel better about what you're doing and where you are from a, a recruiting perspective and the type of talent we've been able to bring in. But you don't know really what that's, you know, uh, what, relative to the other teams, what you're compared to. So uh, I'm excited about the progress, but uh, you're also a little bit anxious to just see what other people in your conference uh, and on your schedule have to offer and, and, and where you stack up. When I say the words transfer portal to you, given your current position at Charlotte, does that create anxiety or excitement for you when you hear those words? You know, you can't get too ticked off about it when you've been able to utilize it. You know, uh, we, we've had some really good transfers come in here. And so for us to be ticked off at the fact that, we, you know, we've had some guys leave and go to Ole Miss and Florida State and some of these type of places. And, um, you know, I, I remember having a staff meeting with our guys and I was like, hey, all of you in here, um, raise your hand if, if you would still be here if I said, 
you know, you're talking about, all right, a guy enters the portal and he's looking around. Well, what if he decides to come back? Okay. How many coaches on staff interviewed for other jobs and didn't get them? Okay. And if you didn't get them, what if I said you couldn't come back? You know, now it puts things into perspective. And so it's the same way for players now. You know, I, I'm, I want them to be in a place where uh, they want to be. I want them to be in a, in a program that they believe that they can be successful. And you know what? It irks your soul and it hurts your heart when you can't provide for them what they want. But uh, if somebody else can, then I'm happy for them. And so, you know, uh, we're not a fit for everybody. And I want to make this the best place on the, you know, on planet Earth to be able to play. And then until that happens, I got work to do. Uh, on a broader scale, 30,000 feet, maybe looking at at similar programs. Like, it, do, do you feel like there's a sea change? Programs like yours bring in guys, develop them, and – and maybe see them leave like you're talking about to a program they feel will better serve them. You turn out being kind of a, a farm team for those other programs that you mentioned who now pluck your guys and you have to go and, and in turn you're, you're an assembly line to go get a replacement for them. It seems like it's kind of changed the nature of, of the sport and you don't get the fruits of your labor when you do bring in that kid who develops – to be good enough to go to that next school? I mean, I left Austin P, you know, um, and took the job at Charlotte. Like, I, I mean, what's the difference? You know, I mean, I, Joe Cox, our tight ends job, did a hell of a job here, and he got the Alabama tight ends job. You know, I mean, if we have a guy who can go make half a million dollars a year and go take the, you know, go take the tight ends job, you know, or the, the tight end spot at Alabama and make half a million dollars, and he's trying to support his mom at home and he's got problems, you know, uh, paying a car note or like, what do you tell him? You know, I mean, because any coach on our staff would go take the job as the wide receivers coach at Alabama. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I just I want to make life so good here where guys don't want to leave. And it ticks me off until that happens, you know, like. I, I want it to be the best place on earth for any of our players or our coaches. But when they leave, it's like, you know, I mean, if, if I would make that same decision as a 37 year old, then why can I fault them as a 20 year old? Well, it's, it's a refreshing lack of hypocrisy that you have in your stance on that. Will I hope that works with both coaches and recruits out there because that's not the stance you normally hear from the college coaches. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on with, you know, the the appeals that they'll make to a kid who wants to leave at times, right? And then what they'll state publicly. Um, the answers you just gave show a startling lack of that, which is a credit to you. Does that approach, do you find that that works with players you're recruiting, even players you're recruiting on your current roster when they decide to come to you and say they want to go somewhere else? You know, I don't think you ever recruit a guy and expect him to leave. But you also know that the better you recruit, the more of a chance you have of people recruiting guys off your roster. Um, so, I, no, I mean, I, I just think it's honest conversations with both coaches and players. Um, and, and I think it's it's also got to be honesty. You know, uh, I mean, we beat Duke and everybody thinks I'm getting the Dallas Cowboys job. We lose five out of the last six and everybody thinks I'm getting the, you know, the Wallace A. Smith middle school job in, in Chattanooga. <laughs> you know, so it's like, 
you got to be honest when things like that happen too. You know, hey, I'm I'm interviewing for this job and this is something I'm interested in. It would, you know, it's a place I'm in. So I, I just think the whole thing is transparent, transparency and honesty. And uh, it's having real conversations with a guy like, what are you looking for? You know, uh, you are the face of our program. You are on billboards. You are, you know, uh, the, the team captain. You're going to go there. And I think you're good enough to play there. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to tell a guy like, you're not good enough to play there. You're going to go be their sixth or seventh guy. Why would I tell a guy that? Like, I want a guy to have confidence in what they're going to do. I'm not going to talk them out of their belief in being good enough to play at that level. I want guys that are good enough to play in the, you know, in the ACC and the SEC and in the Power Five conferences across the country because I want to beat those guys when we play them. We got two on our conference on our schedule this year. So I just think it's it's being honest. Like, how did I feel as a 19, 20, 21 year old and understand those feelings yet be able to be, you know, transparent with them about what's their ultimate goal and can we provide that for them or not? Speaking of those two games, how much for Charlotte is the Maryland game, the South Carolina game, the benchmarks of, of your season and how much do, do you want to measure yourself against those kind of programs? I mean, you know, I, I we open up with FAU uh, in Boca, Willie Taggart's team, and and you know, obviously Lane was there before him. They're they're really really good, and I think that will be an incredible benchmark for us. A conference game on the road in week zero, uh, you come home and you play a you know a, a top twenty FCS team, which I've been at the FCS level, and I know what that game means for them, and I know how talented those guys are, and I know what the gap is in talent. It's not much. And uh, then you play Maryland the week after at home in a, in a game that draws a lot of credibility and a lot of fans and a lot of attention. So playing well in games like that are really important. Then you go to Georgia state and and obviously Sean Elliott's done an amazing job there and they kicked our butt a year ago. And then you go to South Carolina. I think anytime you can put your program in a situation where you can create some, you know, some visibility, it's important to play well. So you've given yourself a great opportunity. Now, how do you play? Um, it, that Those are really important games. But, I mean, we start the year off with a team that's, you know, predicted to be one of the top teams in the conference. So uh, I'm not real sure if our AD is trying to get me fired or wants to keep me here for a long time based on the schedule that we have. Well, specifically the game at South Carolina. I mean, for those, you know, not familiar with the geography of Charlotte, you're basically in South Carolina. It's your backyard. South Carolina recruits the city of Charlotte, much like you recruit the city of Charlotte. I'm sure you're getting kids maybe that don't have that SEC opportunity when they go to Charlotte, and they want to play well against a program like South Carolina or when you played a Duke a year ago in one or, or North Carolina or anywhere in your vicinity there from Charlotte. How important do you think in, in terms of message to players you're recruiting or on the roster is getting a game like South Carolina, which I know is probably years in the making, but getting a game like this on the road against an SEC opponent that's so close to your backyard there in Charlotte? Well, you know, we played uh, Clemson in 2019, um, and, you know, that was obviously uh, an incredible opportunity for us. We play at South Carolina. Uh, North Carolina comes to our place. We got home and homes with North Carolina. Uh, We got home and homes with Maryland, with Ole Miss. 
so we got some people coming into our place too. And uh, those are massive. They're huge. But I also like want the guy who says, I'm good enough to play at that place. You know, I mean, their fault for not recruiting me. And just like I want a staff and, and I myself believe that I could go do it at the, you know, Tennessee Titans or Dallas Cowboys or whatever. Like I, I don't have any less confidence or feel like I'm not as good a coach as other guys that I'm going against because I have a C on my chest and not a, a T or a, you know, a Gamecock or whatever it is. And, and, and I want players to feel the same way is that like, we're not going to be afraid of anybody. Do we understand that they have more resources and and are obviously recruiting probably more four and five stars than we are? Heck yeah. I mean, I understand that, but it, all it takes is one Saturday and you go play great football and, and you see what the heck happens and go compare yourself to some of the best in the country. If you think you're an NFL player and you don't go dominate in a, in a game like that, then you may need to rethink where you are. Uh, but it could be a good wake-up call for you. And so uh, there's so many positives that could happen. An hour and a half from our house, uh, you know, a, a state that we recruit heavily that's got really good high school football, a program that we all respect that's done a hell of a job in the transfer portal and has got really good talent. You're going to go play Spencer Rattler now. Um, you know, and it's cool that, that, you know, a lot of those guys on the staff were with me at Chattanooga. You know, the OC was my – First boss is our offensive coordinator and the D-line coach. And, uh, you know, Montario Hardesty was my uh, was my wide receivers coach here. So I know a lot of those guys and got a lot of respect for them. But let's go compare ourselves against really good competition. That's what we're here for. And let's, you know, give ourselves an opportunity to make a name for ourselves. Charlotte head coach Will Healy, our guest on Outkick 360. When you first see the news that USC and UCLA are leaving for the Pac-12, I know that coaches talk to each other. What was that conversation like amongst coaches, and what was your reaction when you saw that news of those two L.A. schools joining the Big Ten? I just think you wonder what's next, you know? I mean, um, and, and I think that a lot of the times, look, I, this is like 10,000 feet above my level, um, but you wonder what schools in the ACC may be thinking when – you know, uh, uh, an SCC adds Texas and Oklahoma. Like, what do they do to protect themselves? Uh, does the ACC get a Notre Dame to really solidify itself? I, I mean, all of that stuff is so far above, you know, my pay grade. And, and uh, you know, we're now making the move to the AAC next year. 2023 will be our first year in the American. And, you know, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston are moving out. But you still got some unbelievable teams. You know, you got the SMUs of the world. You got the Memphis. You got the Tulane, the Tulsa, the ECU, the USF. You know, you, you got so Navy. You know, I mean, you got some incredible teams that are coming in. And you say, I wonder if anybody's going to go try to take any of them. And then what happens to the conference we're moving into? So um, it's almost like you wish you could put, a, a, you know, everybody's talking about this transfer portal window. You almost wish you could put like a window on when teams could leave conferences where you knew who you're going to be playing against and what you're going to be going into. But uh, it, to me, the biggest thing is you're a part of the trickle down effect in a lot of ways. You're a part of the trickle down effect in recruiting. Uh, you got a guy who's committed to you for a long time. Tennessee loses a guy. They come take your guy. You go take so-and-so, so-and-so's guy, right? You're a part of the trickle down effect when it comes to conferences. 
somebody goes and takes an AAC school. Now, you know, you, you become, you know, an SEC, an ACC, you become a part of that trickle down effect. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next 12 months. Again, my deal is I want to go beat the crap out of FAU and, and we'll see what happens from there. How, how excited were you when, when the announcement came about? I'm sure your athletic director talked to you about it as well, but the move from Conference USA to the AAC that's going to be taking place, uh, I know that's on down the road for you, but what do you think about that as a move for Charlotte's athletic department? It's massive for us. Um, you know, I remember interviewing for the job in, in uh, 2018, and that was something that Mike Hill wanted to have happen. I mean, he, um, I, you know, obviously Conference USA – Taking a program, you got to think about this. Conference USA picked up Charlotte in 2015 after playing two years of, you know, of FCS ball and and really not doing great. You know, they 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 took a chance on Charlotte, and all of the transition with creating football and moving to FCS and then moving to Conference USA, it's happened so fast that you're learning what it's supposed to look like to be big time. And so, obviously, we will have to take another step. Uh, as we move to the AAC, because the budgets are drastically different. The amount of money that's put into football is drastically different. The competition, the recruiting, drastically different. Um, but it's an opportunity that you can't turn down. You know, whether you're ready for it or not, it, you can't turn it down when it presents itself. So it's huge for us, um, you know, puts us in, in, a, uh, in a really good position as we're in the group of five, you know, what has been by far the most dominant group of five conference in the country. They've called themselves more power six than they have group of five. And I, I would agree with that with the success of late. But you're also losing some really good teams in Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. And so uh, it's up to us to make sure that we keep the quality of, of football uh, at a really high level. Well, and, and you're right about the rapid ascent of Charlotte football. It's such a young program to make this many steps in such short order. And you mentioned those programs, Will. Is that the goal? How do you get to that? And, and what I mean by that is UCF, Houston, BYU, Cincinnati – who puts themselves in a position to move up to the Big 12, and you're looking at two markets there in city schools, much like yourself with Charlotte, with Cincinnati and Houston, is that kind of the long-term goal to get your program and in your situation in that athletic department to a position where you're the one considered for that next trickle-down effect of conferences coming and looking for the next program? I'll probably get fired for telling you all this, but like, why would you not shoot for the stars? You know, you're in the 15th largest city in the country. Um, why would you, you know, why would you not put yourself in a position where you're wanted? And I think what this city and what this program has been able to do and what this university's done, it's a massive university. You know, it's 31,000 students, second largest university in the state of North Carolina. I mean, it's huge. And so why would you not put yourself in a position where you're wanted? And where you're having enough success where people are creating these rumors and same way I would say for assistants or players or, you know, let's have enough success to where, uh, you know, people are, are wanting to be like us and, and you have opportunities and now you figure out what's best for you, you know, your university. I think the short term goal is we're really, really fortunate and really lucky to be going to the AAC. And uh, they took a shot on us, just like Conference USA did from the get-go. So I think it's building it the right way. I think it's being able to 
understand what it looks like uh, from a resource perspective, from a facilities perspective. You know, we're doing an $82 million renovation to our stadium. And we're talking about an indoor, you know, you know, a massive 30 to 50 million dollar indoor complex and all these different things that we're doing to catch up. And so it's like, all right, let's create some sustainability, create some success. Let's do it for, you know, let's create a great program, not just a great season and then see where it goes. And let's uh, let's see how build, uh, big we can build this thing. How's the Baker Mayfield buzz in town? You know, I, I was on a family vacation, 16 of us in one house last week. And so I just got back into town on, on Saturday and I'm fired up. Like my seven-year-old's really fired up. He's like, dad, when can we go to practice? Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I think it's awesome. You know, um, uh, we got a Garth Brooks concert coming up uh, on uh, Friday and Saturday in Bank of America. Uh, Charlotte FC is doing an unbelievable job. So there's a lot of really cool things going on in, in Bank of America. And I think Baker Mayfield being here creates a buzz about the program. It gets people excited about, you know, the Panthers this year. And um, I, I'll be wearing the jersey, I promise you. I may just paint the jersey on me. Y'all know That's me. Perfect. I just yeah. go club lit on those bad boys. You've, got, you've definitely got the, you got, got the build for it, Will. You've been working out a lot. Yo, so there's no question. Absolutely. Paint no that question. thing on. You'll be fine. Um, what, what is your approach to NIL? At Charlotte, you know, every coach we have on here will ask some sort of NIL question and we'll get a lot of different answers that are sort of the same, but everyone's got their own little tweaks on it of how they view it and how it can not only help the student athlete, but help help their individual programs. Well, I think the reality of NIL is that like a lot of it is, hey, look what I'm doing in this hand. So you don't see what I'm doing in this hand. Right. And so it's this is what I'm doing through a collective, but yet, you know, the old school ways of this is how I'm helping players is going on on the side. And I understand that. Look, any chance we get to help our guys, I want to be able to do it. Um, I, I think that to me, the biggest thing about it, I deal with guys who will call me and say, coach, I need $15 to go eat at cookout. And if I can help those guys and because they're sending you know, a thousand dollars a month home to their mom who needs the money and who's a, you know, a, a single mom who needs the money to be able to pay for her rent and all these different things that a lot of the guys on our, our team are doing. I want to be able to help them. You know, uh, I, we're not going to have eight, nine million dollar deals here at Charlotte. But if I can go find ways to be able to help guys with a couple thousand dollars a month and, and make sure that they can help people at home that they need to or that they can learn how to invest or budget or whatever it is, I'm all for it. And if we can find ways, what are the creative ways that we can use in this city, uh, a.k.a. internships? Um, you know, uh, how can we find ways where our guys learn how to market themselves? You know, part of marketing is have success. Look, look, guys, y'all want NIL deals? How about you whoop everybody's butt? How about you go beat some of these guys that are on our schedule and you'll make yourself more marketable and the, you know, the Bojangles is going to want to have you on their uh, on their posters. So, um, you know, I, I think they go hand in hand, um, but I promise you that I'm not going to go help. I'm not going to give an NIL deal to somebody coming in our program before I go help the fifth year senior who doesn't have enough tread on their tires and can't drive to, to the, you know, to the facility and without worrying about slipping off the road, 
uh, and has you know got a 3.6 GPA and is a three-time all-conference player, I ain't doing that stuff now. Like I'm going to help the guys here before I go recruit with NIL, and uh, and we got to build that to stay relevant and to get good players. We have to have NIL. If we don't, we're going to get beat. I, y'all remember like uh, when, when they started talking about cost of attendance? Yes. You know, people were talking about we can offer $7,000 a year and you can only offer 3000 Right. Well, people were winning because they could offer seven instead of 3000 How about when you start talking millions? Like, it matters. And, um, you know, you never want it to be the reason why somebody picks your school. You never want it to divide a locker room. But anytime we get a chance to help our players, I want to be able to do it. And uh, I'm going to help the ones we have here before I'm going to help somebody that I want to come in who I think can help us with. Yeah, it's definitely not the reason, but it's certainly a reason for a lot of players uh, in picking their school. And it sounds like Cookout and Bojangles needs to get involved with Charlotte football. Absolutely. With some NIL deals for some veteran players uh, on your roster. Will Healy is the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers. Will, we uh, kept you on about four minutes longer than I said we would, so for that I apologize, but appreciate you taking the time to join us. Y'all are awesome. Great to see y'all. Miss seeing y'all, and uh, appreciate your time. I really do. Thanks. Thanks so much. That was fun. A lot of information coming out of that as well about uh, the effects of everything going on with conferences at that level. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the show. There's been a trade in the NFL that we need to discuss as we wrap things up. We'll talk about the night ahead as well. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have a trade in the NFL. The Patriots have traded wide receiver Nikhil Harry to the Bears. This coming from Mike Garofolo. Um, former first-round pick, now getting a fresh start with the Chicago Bears. Paul, a team in need of receiver help, certainly. Uh, but Nikhil Harry, uh, not off to a great start with his career with the Patriots, but he gets a second chance. What a return they're getting. A 2024 seventh-round pick. Wow. Way to turn the 25th pick in the 2019 draft into something. This guy is garbage. I mean, he's got 57 career catches. Is that right? 57 career catches in 33, 33 career games. Uh, four whole touchdowns. It just, the, the Patriots are really bad. Well, and at, we, at finding wide receivers. Yeah, and we haven't talked a lot about this quarterback, and we've talked a lot about quarterbacks within that division this offseason, some for off-field stories. Hutton and I spent some time on it when but, you were out. You know, Mac Jones is – I mean, what what is Mac Jones? Yeah, we're not exactly. listing him the way that we've talked about uh, Tua and th- that we've talked about not not Zach about, Wilson not about his dating life but yeah. about his surroundings those two teams have put those two guys as well as some other guys around the league in position where you could really make a determination about them this year now he's a, he's a year younger um and a lot of people have a lot of faith in Mac Jones but 
the talent surrounding him is questionable at best. That's going to be a defensive, run-the-ball football team. And his weapons, Devontae Parker, not particularly impressive. The Texas Tech guy, is it, that they drafted, is thin as a rail. Everybody says he was overdrafted. He's going to get knocked off the line, of, uh, you know, knocked off his route immediately when people physical him up at, uh, at the snap. Some of the Patriots? Yeah. yeah. So um, some real questions about what they've got in terms of weapons. Now, they got the two tight ends they signed last year who didn't do that much. Um, and, you know, uh, they're expecting a lot more out of them this year. But I think it's fair to question. And then you've got, you know, a special teams coach and a defensive coach as the primary offensive coaches on that team. Hutton and I went into this in depth while you were away. But a lot of questions on that Patriots team beyond being able to say, well, Belichick will get it done. Well, and they draft Cole Strange, the offensive lineman also from early. Chattanooga. Um uh, second round. Taekwon. Yeah, that's from Baylor. Taekwon Thornton from Baylor. All right, I had the wrong Texas school. Yeah, who's a the real, guy but he's a, he's a, a thin, rail. fast guy. Yeah, it's. Uh, They're not good with wide receivers. They well, haven't been for a long time. I can't get out of my head, Paul, that windy, that terrible win game in Buffalo where the Patriots won, but they attempted three passes with Mac Jones. And I'm thinking, all right, you can, you can say that's Bill Belichick going very old school protecting his defense, knowing the weather was bad. But I can't get past the fact that you just really aren't trusting your quarterback if you throw three passes like that in any conditions. Well, they'll come back and say they won. But they're not going to be a popular playoff pick this year. A lot of people are going to look at Miami or the Jets as the most threatening team to Buffalo or look to other divisions for wild card teams. And – I'm there too. I I don't have a lot of faith in uh, in the Patriots and Nikhil Harry wasn't going to make a break them by any means. But look how how thin his value is. Well, I look at two old coaches. That's the equivalent of like a, a ninth round I'm, pick. I'm talking about two old guys who are still coaching: Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. Both are going to either look like the smartest guys in the room, and they've been coaching this long for a reason this year with moves they've made and decisions and things that have gone down, or they're going to look like the game has started to pass them by. Well, at least Mac Jones, they've got a vision in New England, and he was, he was popular um, for a lot of people in the draft two years ago. The, the, the Patriots have a path. Seattle has no path. Well, Seattle is trying to fool everyone by believing their path is Geno Smith, and no one is buying it. So that's a different. Paul, have a great night. You too. Uh, fun show. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Dan Dockage will join us. Kennedy Chandler. Former Tennessee Vol, current Memphis Grizzlies point guard will join us as well. If you can't see me, I'm going to read for you this sign that is now behind me. It says, don't block the box. Also, be sure to lock your locks.